Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, welcome to Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hello and welcome back into the Daily Nebraska Show. Back. We're back once again. Joseph here. Joseph is here with me this time. Anthony was on yesterday. Yes, Joseph's here, the senior sports editor at the Daily Nebraskan. I'm once again Ben Droz, one of the sports writers at the Daily Nebraskan. Joseph, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thursday night, last night of the week of our first official week of running this show. And it's been a lot of fun. Yep. Um, so a little bittersweet that our first week has come to an end, but I'm excited for today's episode. We've got a lot to dive into. A big basketball Saturday coming up. Yep. Uh, and a little talk about a new head coach. Ooh, I wonder coming who up could later be. on. It's a big name. I don't know if you saw that or not. You might have heard of. You might have heard of him. Um, you may have seen him on the opposing sideline at Nebraska games. Might have seen him in the national championship. You might college. have seen him there as well. Maybe. So we'll, we'll dive into that, Jim Harbaugh. If you weren't, if you weren't following or living under a rock, we'll dive into that later as well. A couple other stuff. We, a couple other things we want to dive into today. But starting it off with basketball talk here in this first segment. It's going to be a big game both for Nebraska men's basketball and Nebraska women's basketball who plays yep. Iowa on Saturday as well. Uh, so overall, fun sports weekend, plus NFL playoffs on Sunday too. Yep. So I'm so excited to just sit down on the couch and watch sports all weekend, as I always do. Oh, yeah. Every every weekend. There's nothing <laughs> else you can do when you're in this line of business. That's all you That's all you get to do is to sit on the couch and watch, and it's amazing. So, yeah. Not since you know we don't have the we don't have a show Friday night. Definitely want to we're gonna preview the Saturday Saturday games. Mm-hmm. No, it's a couple days early. Uh, Hoiberg's gonna have his press conference tomorrow morning. We'll see if Gary's good to go. I think he's still questionable, is last I saw. But you know, it's been quite a. It's been you know they played Ohio State. You know, it's been a decent break. Yeah, I Ohio wouldn't State. be surprised if he plays, but I'm not necessarily expecting to. Uh, so Hoiberg will. I'm sure he'll fill. Us in probably the first thing he says probably and he, they're just doing like a quick like scrum like before they leave so it's not a full official press conference okay so a little less formal so maybe he'll add some more stuff that we don't normally get from him but that'll come out we'll have a, some coverage on that tomorrow morning as well but this Maryland game mm-hmm. a road test it's got it got to be the time you get it done though it has to be it's been too it. You haven't done it yet this season. A conference road win. We don't have yeah. it yet. That's one, like one and four on the road. Only win was at Kansas State. Which that was a good win. Good win. Can't put, you know, that's a good environment to play in. Mm-hmm. We got crushed by them last year. Yeah. On the on the road. So it was it was a good win, but 0 and 4 in the conference on the road. That's been a struggle. This is a great opportunity to get it right before a brutal stretch mm-hmm. where you go you get Wisconsin at home we know how they've been playing one of the best teams in the Big Ten then you go to Illinois you go travel to Illinois you stay there I assume for Illinois and Northwestern both uh, tournament teams as of now according to Bracketology so Northwestern mm-hmm. just beat them the other night so this is in my opinion as much of a must win on the road as it gets you got to get right with this struggle that they've had, and, and Maryland's not a bad team. They've just kind mm-hmm. of, it's just been a disappointing season up to this point for them. Yeah. They had high expectations coming into the year, and they've got some pretty solid players that we'll touch on in a little bit. Just a, a bit of a strange season 
for them. Not what they've expected at all. Ups and downs. But this is a team that can compete with anyone. They just Mm -hmm. haven't been able to pull off close wins. So I'm excited to see what they're able to do against Maryland because it's a it's a game in theory they should win, but Maryland yeah. 9 and 2 at home at the Xfinity Center. That does not bode well for a team that's been struggling on the road. Yeah, I mean I'm I I very rarely say a road win, a road game is a must win. You know, if they lose this game, Nebraska's still very much in the NCAA or tournament, you know, in the realm of that um not a game you necessarily have to get, but it'd just be so nice to get. I, I'd just say for momentum going forward, for your confidence, knowing you're able to get it done on the road, now is the time to do it. Now, yes, there are winnable games, you know, further down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to go zero and four over the next four. Yeah, I mean, yes, for confidence, and yes, it'd be really nice to get it. But I'm saying, you know, like for the season for, outlook. Yes, for the tournament hopes. No out season outlook. Yeah. Yes. I mean. It'd be, I mean, it'd look a lot better if we can get some road wins. You know, definitely help the chances of, you know, continuing to play into March. But, I mean, again, this will be a tough game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about Maryland. Kind of a weird month for them. So, back at the beginning of January, they lose to Minnesota by three, who Minnesota's been falling off as of late, but at the time they were, you know, ascending up the Big Ten ranks. Yeah. But then a week later, they go on the road and beat Illinois by nine. So all, all of a sudden, it's like you lose to Minnesota, but you beat Illinois. That's kind of a big swing. Mm-hmm. Then last week, two one-score losses, you know, comes down to the very end, chances to win both of them at the end against Northwestern and Michigan State. That's kind of been the difference between Nebraska and Maryland this year. Nebraska's yeah, found a way to close. beat those teams like Northwestern, Michigan State, not Minnesota. But when it comes down to the end, Nebraska's just made the plays that they've had to um, to get it done. And Maryland has not been able to. Uh, their star guard, Jameer Young, who's in his sixth year now. Sixth year. Yeah. Long time. Spent time at Charlotte. Um, he had chances in both of those to win the game late. Missed a step-back jumper against Northwestern, kind of the top of the key. You know, clanked off the back of the rim. Then he turned at pretty ugly turnover against Michigan State. He was in a fast break with like five seconds left. They chose opted not to go for the timeout. Turns it over. Michigan State grabs the ball and gets the win. Both of those games, they could have easily won. Mm-hmm. And then they turn it around yesterday on Wednesday and beat Iowa. And third time's a charm for Jameer Young. Yeah. He <laughs> blazes by uh, Iowa defender, goes right to the rim, you know, blows by him, lays it in. One second left. They win the game. So very up and down, like I said. This team is capable of beating anyone. We've seen them beat Illinois. We've seen them take Michigan State and Northwestern to the wire and beat an Iowa team that Nebraska was not able to beat. So by no means is this a, you know, tough opponent in that sense, but you cannot overlook them, especially on the road. I mean, yeah. And that's one thing, you know, the close losses with Maryland, that's kind of been a question of, can they close out some of these closer games? Maryland's kind of had a tough time, I feel like, closing out some of these really close conference mm-hmm. games. And Nebraska, despite, you know, we have five losses on the season, four of those losses, you know, when Nebraska loses, it's like not close. Besides the Rutgers game. That's Besides kind of the outline. Rutgers game, which, again, I don't want to talk that about one out. It. Don't want to talk about it. But yeah, it's, but it's yeah, like you Cray- get Creighton, blown out of the gym. Yeah, get blown out by Creighton. Minnesota. Okay. Again, I don't want Another to talk one. about. I don't want to talk but about that, was, that one. That was not a close game at no, the end. At the end, no. Ugly second half. Yeah, Wisconsin, we got shot out of the gym. Iowa, shot out of the gym. Yeah. So, Which I'll touch on in a bit, but 
I don't think Maryland's a team that can shoot you, shoot lights out against you and beat you that way. Yeah. I think this game is going to come down to the end if Maryland's going to do it. So Nebraska's got to have that foot on the gas mentality mm-hmm. of we just got to get out to a big lead and not let them, you know, keep it close with us because they're not not a great offensive team, very good defensive team, which we'll touch on in a bit. But yeah, 12 and 8 overall, 9 and 2 at home. They're pretty squarely outside of that NCAA tournament uh field right now, so they need a big run. This could be uh, you know, beat Iowa on the road. Granted, in a really bad environment. I don't know if you saw that. Iowa had like 4,000 fans, not even probably. No, I didn't. It was like two, probably 2,000 fans at their men's game the other night. I try to not watch Iowa. Yeah. Now, they sell out the women's side, so maybe people are just more willing to buy tickets for that. For good reason. For very good reason. Um, Then they get Nebraska this weekend, so. Yeah. That's probably another good reason to buy tickets. Um, But yeah, they're, they're outside of the NCAA tournament field, but they beat Iowa. You know, they get come back home. Nebraska's got to travel across the country, 11 a.m. tip. I guess it would be noon there, but early game. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a, this is a chance for them to build some momentum and, and try to sneak their way back into that bubble conversation. Yeah. 66 in Ken Palm, but only 92 in the net. So not often you see a lot of variance in those two metrics, but Maryland's pretty squarely outside of the NCAA tournament field. So Nebraska's going to be favored in this one. It's a game they should have again. We've gone over this many times. Should have had that Rutgers game. Yep. Probably should have had the Iowa game, but definitely should have had the Minnesota game. Definitely should have on the road. So just because the Nebraska should win this game, it doesn't mean they necessarily will. I mean, yeah, I am not going to be not. I'm not going to say I'm super confident about winning this game. It's definitely I mean, because Nebraska is going on the road. It's just always a toss up. I mean, it's going to be a toss up. The key to winning, though, is shutting down one man. Mm hmm. And he goes by, and his name is Jameer Young, yeah. averaging 20.8 points a game so far this season. He's just been on a tear. He is their offense. Pretty much. And if I'm looking at this, yeah. Yeah, I was I was watching <laughs> some of his tape earlier. He's so shifty. Such quick footwork. Very entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. There's a couple times, he just blows right past you to the rim. And when he's cooking, he is on. I mean, this guy, and he opens up the floor so much because he, he attracts so much attention. He's got that ability to drive to the rim, you know, throw it down, but also a solid three-point shooter, shooting 35% from deep this season, only 44% from the field. But again, a lot of the, you know, just controlling the offense, distributing the ball, um, about all the production they really get from the guard position. There's a couple other guys that are, you know, in that six, seven points a game range, but, Mm -hmm. you know, 21 for him. He is their identity, veteran player, veteran leader, quick, shifty, great footwork. You know, he's the guy that you're going to need to shut down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, easier said than done. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so clear cut number one scorer. I, I really, I'm concerned about how they defend him, but Nebraska has been able to shut down most times this season. They've been able to shut down that number one option, um, yep. outside of the games that they got blown out clearly. Um, so I, I like their odds to do it. Um, wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of Sam Hoiberg in this game, get really scrappy, really physical yeah. with him, quick footwork, um, trying to take the ball away from, you know, stay in front of him. You can't have anyone slow on him because he will blow right past you. I yeah. saw it against Iowa, just goes straight to the rim, no chance to stop him. That That's the one thing. So I feel like this is a game where Alec is really going to be needed because I don't feel like Most is going to be quick enough. You know, if if uh, Young beats his guy, mm-hmm. On the dribble, I feel like Alec is going to be better, you know, coming over to help than Moss. I feel like Moss is kind of just going to be like, I feel like he might get into foul trouble. 
You know, just because yeah. he's going to be a little bit slower. Alex, Alex is a little bit more athletic. I feel like this is a game where Alec is real, like, Hoiberg's really going to have to scheme for how they're going to shut him down. And I feel like having Alec coming over to help a lot would be a really good thing. Yeah. It, I'm not going to like getting Gary back in this game would be, it would be, huge. would be huge. It would be huge. They're going to have their hands full because, you know, Young is pretty much every, all of the offense from yeah. the guard position, but inside, they got Julian Reese and Dante Scott. Both averaging double digits. Point. These guys are two very, very different players, but they both are very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So Reese is, you know, 6'9", 230, averaging 10 rebound, 9.8 rebounds on the season, only behind Edie in the Big Ten. So second in the Big Ten, who, by the way, completely stifled Reese when they played. Reese had zero points wow. when Maryland played Purdue. So a really rough night for him. Yeah, rebounding machine, He's lengthy, can throw it down. He's got some oomph when he... There are a couple of uh, alley-oops over the last couple games where he's just thrown it down, and and that is a big concern Mm -hmm. for Mass. But we've seen him play well against Edie, so I wouldn't be surprised if Mass is very occupied with Reese in this game. Yeah. Not letting him, you know, be that guy. He's, He's averaging 14 points per game while not really being, you know, the biggest scorer guy. Two and a half blocks a game. So that that's another cause for concern there. So he hasn't, he's not like Mass, though, where he can pop out and, and stretch the floor. Hasn't yeah. attempted a three-pointer all season. The guy who does that is Dante Scott, mm-hmm. Maryland's other big option. So he's more of the stretch the floor guy. You know, get out wide. He's actually really strong from three, shooting 39% yeah. from the forward position. For, for so he's got the yeah. he's got the capability to do what Mass did the other night. I don't think we want to see that happen. No. On the other end of the floor. No. Yeah. I mean, Mass. I mean, I feel like the Edie matchup was just kind of perfect for Mass because mm-hmm. Edie's not, you know, I feel like Edie kind of plays, you know, like he's kind of a slow pace player, kind of like Moss. You know, like I feel yeah. like both, like they both play very similarly. So Moss is able to, you know, stay in his lane, you know, be able to play his game, wasn't forced to, you know, be anybody else. In this game, that might change a little bit. Reese is definitely more of a bouncy, yeah, bouncy guy. Likes to get up high on the rim and mm-hmm. really use his his you know length to his advantage. Yeah, um, I I still like mass odds too. You I, know, I think he should have a good game. I'm not I'm not too concerned just with the lack of shooting that Maryland has from the outside. I'm not too concerned there. I mean, this Terrapin seems built on defense. Like they're only averaging only allowing 64 points per game. So they are a defensive-minded team, one of the best in the country, the best defensive team, you know, allowing points-wise in the Big Ten. Their offense is significantly worse than Nebraska's, though, only averaging yeah. 70 points per game, uh, not great at shooting the three. So, yeah, 29% from deep, that's worse than the Big Ten. Yeah. It's not going to be a team like Creighton, Iowa, Wisconsin that just I mean, shoots the lights out. That's the difference, I feel like, in this game is that this is kind of one of the first road games we've had this year where I don't feel like we're going to get shot out of the gym. It's going to be, if we lose, it's just going to have to be a game like Rutgers where we just are, yes. we're just awful across the board. Now, so, the concern is Rutgers is similarly bad from three, and they yeah, went and they, way over their expected yeah, three so points shot. That's what I'm so. saying. So if, if we do lose this game, it's going to be in Rutgers fashion. It's not going to be, you know, like Wisconsin or Iowa. It's going to be, you know, a game like Rutgers where you're going to want to, you're going to be, 
you're going to be thinking about shutting off the TV, but you just can't because it's Husker basketball. Yeah. And even though you know what's probably going to happen, <laughs> you still watch. 100%. You still watch because you have to. Yeah. I'd but, say Dante Scott's definitely X factor for that reason. Mm-hmm. He's, he's hit four threes twice this season, so he's got that potential to do that. Uh, multiple three-pointers over the last three games. So that's who I'm concerned with if I'm Nebraska. Similar to a Mason Gillis-type player where not the main option, but mm-hmm. a guy that could go off like he did against Purdue, um, you know, behind the arc and really kept kept Purdue in that game for most of it. Um, Scott's averaging 11 points per game, five rebounds, whereas Reese's rebounding ability draws a lot of attention down low. Yeah, It allows Scott to kind of pop out, yep. get outside the arc, and get some open looks when you're obviously, you know, your first, <laughs> you're, you're looking at Young, you know, as your first option, you're, all your attention's going to him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's opportunities for Scott to kind of pop out, get outside the arc, and get knocked down some open threes. Really, the only other big shooting guy that I would watch for is Jahari Long. Yeah, uh, He's a senior guard, only averaging five points per game, but he really only shoots it from deep. Mm-hmm. Um, five threes in total over the last two games. So if he shoots, he's shooting a three, and a lot of the times it's going in pretty much only shoots that deep ball and and he's kind of that guy that just sits in the corner and waits for a three. Yeah. I mean, defending the three-point line was kind of one of my issues with Nebraska earlier in the year. But, I mean, when I'm looking at the three-point percentages of this team, there's just not that many shooters on Maryland's team. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys that you can sag off on. Even, even, you know, if they have a guy shooting 32% from three-point line, you might leave him open to not what Young get a you know wide open shot. They're going to hit a few, but yeah. as long as you can shut down Young, because he's had some he's had some rough performances. Started mm-hmm. really poorly against Iowa actually, and ended up you know heating up later down the stretch. I believe he started like one for six or one for five uh, against Iowa. So a slow start for him. Ended up ramping it back up, but that's definitely going to be priority number one for Nebraska. They've got Mass down low to to deal with Reese. Mm-hmm. I don't know outside of Horberg if they have that quick, fast-footed defender to necessarily yeah. take Young out of the game completely. I think this, this is why I was, again, saying I feel like Alec is going to be really big for coming over and help because mm-hmm. I don't think we have a guy that can, you know, face guard and, you know, keep him in front of him. Yeah. I feel like Young's going to get a lot of driving opportunities, so there's going to need to be, and especially because this isn't a very good three-point shooting Maryland team, we're going to be able to sag off a little, more, a little bit more to help, you know, when— Young does penetrate down low. Who's your X factor for Nebraska on offense? Who do you think is going to need a big game for Nebraska to win this? Because it's been Moss. We've seen Moss do it. We've seen Tomonaga do it. Kids Northwestern. It was Alec. CJ Wilcher. That had one some good games. I, I want to go back to Wilcher, honestly. I I think his extra, the extra juice he brings has been so key in some of these games. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I want to believe that Nebraska is not going to let the you know, road struggles get to their head, but it's certainly possible they do. Uh, if Tom if is not shooting well, you're going to need that other guy. Like we saw the other night, it's Wilcher. So I'm going to go Wilcher in this one. Um, if Gary plays, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But we'll just assume for now that Gary's not going not gonna to go. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I want to say Casey because if he gets going, I'm very He's always the win. X factor. Yeah. If he goes off, they're going to win. But... If I'm not saying Casey, I really want to see Hoiberg have a. Finally, yeah. I want to see him have a good off, like a really good offensive performance. I like it because he's been really good from the three point line. I just feel like we haven't been. He just hasn't been taking that many shots. Mm-hmm. 
these past few games, I feel like. I mean, you saw it in the Rutgers game. He didn't have a single point the entire regulation. And then in overtime, he just hits two threes. Like, yeah. I, mean, I was watching that game. I was, like, more op- I was like, more opportunities. Yeah. I was like, why was, why was he not shooting during the regulation? Like, your dad is the head coach. <laughs> Usually when your dad's the head coach, you know, sometimes you get the ball a little bit more than you should. But well, in this I don't case, think we want to. I don't think we want to go that far. Well, but. I know, but I'm saying like usually, you know, when yeah. the coach's son, they're like everyone complains. Oh, he gets the <laughs> ball too much. This way, we're like get him the ball more. We want to see him shoot the ball more. I mean, he's been good from the three point line. He's good on defense. Why not? I, I like it. I think he'll he'll be a big key on on how this game script goes. I'll I'll say I think it's more likely Nebraska wins by double digits than they lose by double digits. In this oh yeah. Oh yeah, I and don't so think I don't think Maryland's a team. The that three point out. shooting, if the three point shooting's on, I think they win this game handily. Mm-hmm. And that again, outside of Tominaga, because you could say that every single week is going to be Wilcher, is going to be Hoiberg. You know, is Williams having a good night from three? We're not going to see another. We assume we won't see another six of eight game from Mast. So, yeah, uh, you know, Maryland's not great against the three. Uh, they're not as bad as they are offensively uh, from behind the arc, but still not great. Only ninth in the Big Ten allowing 33%. So definitely opportunities are going to arise for Nebraska to get off some shots. We know they love to shoot the ball. It's just a matter of fact, if they go in. So like, like I said, Wilcher's going to be big in this one. Agree with hundred percent with you there. Hoiberg getting more opportunities for him and, and seeing what they can do from behind the arc. You do not want to get in a situation where this game is close going down to the wire because Maryland's had the, you know, Ball roll against them a couple times here over the last week. It's bound to go their way. And it's bound to go their way, especially against Nebraska on the road <laughs> Yeah, at noon. It's always bound to not go Nebraska's way. That's kind of just ever since I've been watching Nebraska sports, that's what it feels like. But we're going to have to throw it to break. Again, the text line is open, 402-464-5685. Text in your thoughts or questions. We will get to them. Also looking at the streams. You can comment on the streams, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. But with that, we're going to be... Right back, right after this break. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Daily Nebraskan Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Again, we're streaming on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. We're on our 961. Again, I'm Ben Droz, one of the writers at the Daily Nebraskan, joined here still by Joseph Meyer, the senior sports editor at the Daily Nebraskan. So we talked men's basketball, you know, previewed the game coming up on Saturday. But there's another Husker basketball game on Saturday, and it's a pretty big one for the women's side. They play Iowa. Yeah. I mean, it's at this point, it's arguably bigger headlines. Yeah. So there's been a lot of coverage this week. I guess it goes back to last week as well with, you know, teams selling out their stadium when Caitlin Clark comes to town. And I mean, yeah. that is what is going to happen this weekend. You know, and I'm just so impressed by Iowa's Iowa's fan base's ability to fully support the women's basketball team and not support the men's basketball team at all. It's like the only school that does it's that. It's shocking yeah. and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I Fully, uh, no wonder they support Caitlin Clark and that amazing She's team. She's special, and I, I don't know. I mean, their men's team's not terrible, but yeah, another big one this weekend: Nebraska Iowa. It's a rivalry matchup. 
don't give Nebraska a big chance in this one, to be completely frank with you. And, you know, maybe later in February where Nebraska gets them at home and they'll certainly sell that thing out, then they might have a chance. I believe that's Super Bowl Sunday, actually, that they get them here. If it's Super Bowl Sunday... If it's at the same time, I probably wouldn't be watching that. Then. It's not. It's I believe it's at noon and then the okay, Super Bowl's good. later. Okay, good. So there's a full day of of good. sports good. to watch. Good. I was a little worried. But they play at Iowa. It's going to be sold out there. I don't give them a great chance here. I, I just... So I'm doing this like video project right now for my internship at Huddle mm-hmm. where I take Caitlin Clark's high school highlights and track them over a voiceover. And edit it all together. I'm not even impressed by a step back three from 35 feet anymore, Ben. Yeah, it's the same thing with Steph Curry. Where it's like, eh. Right, but that's Steph Curry. I'm watching yeah. high school Caitlin Clark. Ninth yeah. grade Caitlin Clark. Yeah, and she's doing it. Cross up a defender, step back, 35 feet out, basically from half court, and drain it. It's insane. It, and it's it like my brain has gone numb to it at this point. So if I watch this game and she puts up 40, I won't be surprised. Now, Nebraska women's basketball, I know you got to, the chance to cover them last year. Mm-hmm. Not the season they would have loved. A lot, of, expect- some yeah. a lot, lot of, of expectations, expectations. Deal with injuries. This season, not nearly as high of expectations, at least from my view. And they're just as good, in my opinion. And they're probably. they're better. And they're in the field yeah. of 64 right now. I think uh, last time I checked, it was like a nine-seed um, you know, opportunity. Now... It's a little different in women's basketball. They play. I saw they were going to play South Carolina. If you know, if the tournament was today, they would play South Carolina second round. I don't think they're beating South Carolina. That's the downfall yeah. of women's basketball. The powerhouses are powerhouses. Yeah, and Iowa is one of those powerhouses. Yeah, I mean, last year I believe the road game was closer against Iowa than the home game against Iowa. The home game against Iowa was bad. Yeah. They got so, blown out of the yeah, gym. Yeah, the road game was actually like we were leading in the third quarter, I believe, and then kind of, it kind of just fell apart at the end. I, I remember uh, watching that at home, but that, that one was a tough loss. The home game was just disappointing. You know, they they pretty much sold out PBA. It was jam-packed, and then it kind of felt like the Creighton game, you know, this year for yeah. men's basketball, yep. where it's just like it was so hyped, and then this didn't live up to the expectations. It was still... You know, I always enjoy watching Caitlin Clark. I don't care if she tears up, you know, my favorite team. It's Caitlin Clark. She's fun to watch. But, yeah, I mean, it's always tough. I mean, Caitlin Clark is just so far and above away, like, the top talent in this game. Like, I mean, Caitlin Clark's averaging, when I look, 31.7 points a game. Our highest is 16.6 with Alexis Markowski. Mm -hmm. Like, she's averaging double our top guy. Yeah, it's a... it's a, I wouldn't say a one-man show, but, like, she is the identity of that team. And it's fun to watch. Yeah. And I'm excited to see this one this weekend and just see how, honestly, see how Nebraska matches up because, yeah, again, like, you don't get another test like this until potentially the NCAA tournament. The only other ranked team they have left is Ohio State, uh, other than Iowa again. So yeah. they, got, they get two cracks at them. But you're not playing a, a number one seed at all, so... This is a chance to really see what you're made of. Um, I think Nebraska is pretty squarely in the NCAA tournament at this point. Yeah. Uh, uh, barring a total collapse, two games against Iowa and then one against Ohio State is is tough. But even if you manage to lose all those, which they'll be you know underdogs in all of them, there's still a lot of winnable games down the stretch for them to cash in and be 
feel good before they get into the Big Ten tournament. I mean, yeah, this game isn't really going to, I mean, a loss isn't going to really hurt Nebraska that much. A win would really help. So, I mean, this is kind of, I mean, that, the one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence about this is, like, I feel like Nebraska's got nothing to lose in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's expecting you to get blown out. You know, yeah. if you go out there, even if you just make it a game, it would still put you on the map because, you know, it's Iowa. It's Kaitlin Clark. You know, Jazz Shelley's going to need to have, she's going to need a big game. But, again, this is brings me back to, man, it'd be really nice if they had Allison Winder right now. Yeah. Because she was, she's the best guard defender on the team, but she's out for the year. Yeah, that that was such an, I was so, like, just devastated for her when I saw that news. Yeah. And I know that broke uh, a, a long time ago, but, yeah, again, I, you just felt like this was the year that she was really going to finally come into her own after yeah. dealing with some injuries and, and yet another I mean, one. She was showing it last year too, wh- how what she meant to this team. When when Weiner went down, that's when Nebraska started going downhill. Because yep. yep. I mean, we were we were still I'm mean, like right by the rank. I mean, we weren't ranked, but like we were right on the edge. You know, we were getting votes. The team was, and then Weiner goes down, and it just it just kind of the season kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. They kind of brought it back towards the end, made a little bit of an NIT WNIT run. Yeah. So I mean, now it was. It was a good end of the season, you know, nice little run. But, I mean, the Weiner injury, just, it, it set the team back, like, a whole month. And you just can't afford that when you're trying to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so I, in a way, it's it's been good that they knew they weren't going to have her in yeah, all this season. Yeah, like a mid-season injury. But, again, someone that you'd love to have, especially in this matchup. Caitlin Clark's a powerhouse. Speaking of other powerhouse, powerhouse head coach is now the— oh. I thought you were going to say the Chargers. I was like, <laughs> no, 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 not yet. Someday, someday. A, a powerhouse head coach in Jim Harbaugh is now the head coach of my NFL team. And this is a long time coming. I was not shocked by this news. We, we've kind of, yeah, he did meet. We've kind of known in, in some circles the Chargers were um, sharing all of the coaches, all the GMs that they've. I love the transparency. It was very nice. But, you know, within some of the circles, the meetings were going long, Michigan meetings weren't going well. And ultimately, they gave up the best offer. They have the L.A. facilities. They have the young quarterback. They have a talented roster that's underperformed. And I know Jim Harbaugh loves to rebuild. I mean, yeah, the roster is talented, but it's also old. It's old. Like, it has been a complete, and I'll touch on this in a bit. It's been a complete waste of potential all-pro players over the last decade. Of yeah. the amount of guys I have seen come in through this program, I say program like it's college, through this team yeah. that have flamed out and never seen any long-term success because of coaching, Jim Harbaugh is the man for that job. Yeah, I mean, I I fully believe that he can bring talent to this team. They're definitely, I mean, probably not next year, but in the years to come, we could rival the Chiefs easily. Herbert Herbert's a talented enough quarterback. He, you know... He has honestly sometimes as much arm talent as Patrick Mahomes when you watch him. I mean, you saw how he was a couple years ago against the Raiders when they were trying to make that playoff push. Mm-hmm. Weren't quite able to get it done. But, I mean, yeah, Herbert is talented. I don't want to say he's better than Tua because I'm a Dolphins fan, but he probably is. <laughs> we didn't know. We, the didn't, world we did know. not make the wrong decision drafting Tua. We made the right decision. Neither of them has won a playoff game yet. So, Tua's gotten closer. Has he? We would have beat the Bills last year if we had Tua. That's an interesting take. We we would have. We would have beat we, we the almost, Jaguars if we had Jim Harbaugh as our head coach and not Brandon Staley, who is one of the worst head coaches I've ever seen. 
And he kept his job for way too long. And, and yep, this this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. This is why it's such big news to me. Like, okay, even if Jim Harbaugh doesn't work out, what this says to me is that the organization is finally bought into their players, their fans, their team. Because over the last decade and a half of me being a fan, I have, it, they've made, the organization and ownership has made it abundantly clear time and time and time and time and time again that they just don't care about being great. They just want to be okay. They just want to be serviceable. They want to be flashy. You know, Philip Rivers, flashy. Yeah, but they they don't, they've never su- supplemented the talent on their roster or the potential of their players with a good head coach during my time. I've seen two playoff wins in my time of being a Chargers fan. I haven't seen a single one as a Dolphins fan, so you don't have it too bad. You also haven't had two potentially, I, okay, I won't say Hall of Fame, but like upper echelon quarterbacks. Philip Rivers might make Hall of Fame. He might. I hope he does. But he never never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he probably shouldn't, but he probably will. So, it, it's just been so frustrating me. You go from three back-to-back-to-back times. A coordinator from a team that had talent, and the coordinator didn't show much, but they showed some, and they took a chance on him, and it didn't work out. They went from Mike McCoy, who they got from the Broncos, had a couple nice years as offensive coordinator. They go Anthony Lynn, a couple nice years with the Bills. Brandon Staley, one nice year with the Rams with arguably one of the most talented defenses we've ever seen. Yeah. With Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the same sideline, he gets one year as the defensive coordinator and gets hired. And all three of them, they didn't move off any of them fast enough. They waited one more year after. Brandon Staley should have been out the door after that playoff win. That team was demoralized. Or the, the playoff choke against the Jaguars. That team was demoralized. I'm surprised that he didn't get The team was completely after. demoralized. The culture was ruined after that game, especially all the narrative all offseason about how much they choked. It was everything. They kept him around for one more year. Clearly didn't work out. I was not expecting them to make this move because I've never seen this ownership group say, hey, we're going to go out and get the biggest name out there, the best guy out there for the job. This is a rebuilder. We talk about Rule being a rebuilder all the time. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the, the Big Ten implications as well with yeah. this, but talk about Rule being a rebuilder every step he's gone. Jim Harbaugh has done that just at a bigger scale, in my opinion. What he's been able to do originally at San Diego, then he goes to Stanford, you know, makes them into a powerhouse. Stanford hasn't done a thing since he's left, pretty much. He had some, you know, carryover from some of his players that he brought in there with David Shaw. Goes to the 49ers. They didn't have a winning season for nearly a decade. He brings Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick to the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl three straight seasons that right away when he got there. So like you said, I, I expect some turnover time. I don't expect them to be great right away. But he's a winner every step of the way. It took a while at Michigan. He got over the hump. There's a lot of accusations. You know, my whole family's from Michigan. I grew up a Michigan fan. A lot of accusations out there. We won't dive into them, but whether or not he's fleeing Michigan because he knows the hammer's coming down or not, he's a head coach of my favorite NFL team now, and I couldn't be more excited just because of how much it means to the fan base to see finally, yeah, you know, we got a great quarterback who, in my opinion, is top five in the league. We've got, you know, Ooh, some age. Some age. We can get into this whole debate later, but I believe he's top five in the league, and I don't think there's much of an argument outside of that. Uh, maybe that's just my bias, but it is. I think without the only the only argument against him is that he doesn't have the wins. In my opinion, that he the reason he doesn't have the wins is because he's not had a good coach ever. He's had four different offensive coordinators. I'm 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 more than excited. Don't have any expectations for year one, but he's a builder. He's a leader. He's a leader of men, someone who's respected 
but mm-hmm. also liked. I've never heard a player not like Jim Harbaugh. You know, he's a very controversial figure in the media, but everyone that's played under him loves him. Um, I was listening to Aiden Hutchinson talk on Amon Ra's podcast the other day just about how much of a leader and a culture builder he is. That is exactly what Los Angeles needs because yeah. we've been the butt of every single joke I've ever seen. You know, can't fill the stands. Miami can't fill the stands either. Do we say they don't have any fans? I don't know, whatever. But uh, I'm excited for this. Now, Big Ten implications. The door the door's more open than it's been. I mean, not really because you got all these other great teams coming in. So yeah. I feel like it's just as open. One more thing I want to touch on. The Chargers social media team, they should so all get a raise. Good. They should all get a raise. I knew they were good when... Uh, um, what was it? It was against the Raiders when they finally scored. The caption was just "We scored," <laughs> and that, that, they're that, incredible. That tweet got like eight million views or whatever. That that was yeah. I was looking at all, the impressions they got. I mean, upwards of fifty million impressions on all the Jim Harbaugh tweets. Yeah, I mean, they should all get raises. They changed their profile picture to the meme yeah. of his face just zoomed into the ref cam. Yeah, um, <laughs> they had so much stuff ready to go. The coolest thing about that is the social media team doesn't know anything about the you know, the inner workings of the team, they had all that ready to go, yeah. even if he wasn't hired. So I can't even imagine the amount of hours and hours and hours they had to put in. And if they would have just gone and hired, you know, some coordinator from a team, just like yeah. we're seeing a bunch of the other teams do. Like, like Falcons. Right, like, okay, that might work, but it's not Probably a home not. run hire. No. That, that's what I'm, that was what I was expecting the Chargers to do, to become completely honest. Go get a guy that's been solid for a couple of years at a good team. You know, the Falcons did it. The um, Titans did it. Panthers did it like some solid coordinators that you, you know, give them a chance. Don't spend big bucks, but no, they went in and got Jim Harbaugh social media team had to be feeling it. Yeah. I mean, I was a little surprised that it was, I mean, I wasn't surprised that it was chargers because you know, all the news that was coming out, but just thinking about it, I mean, I feel like the Falcons job, you know, just because it's the NFC South terrible division, so wide open. Harbaugh could have easily, you know, went in there year one and probably made him a playoff. I honestly think it's the quarterback. You, probably they don't have the quarterback figured out I thought the Falcons should have hired Belichick but clearly either one of those sides didn't really want that and maybe he's we too don't know what Belichick wants we don't know we will never know what he wants I think the Chargers was the best job opening uh for a couple of reasons first of all top five draft pick so there's any combination of Roma Dunze Brock Bowers Malik Neighbors there for a weapon for Justin Herbert um, California. It's nice. He the like he will bring them to relevancy. I know a lot of people talk about how you know Chargers don't have a lot of fans. People are gonna tune in for for Jim Harbaugh. Like yeah. he is that big of a name. So I'm not sure he was necessarily worried about that. Um, and then I just yeah the Falcons. I'm I wanna, surprised that job didn't get more attraction like Arthur Smith did such a terrible job and yet they almost won the division yeah they've got some talented pieces I think it's just such a quarterback driven league that it's it's really and I think probably the Chargers spent a, a lot of money on him yeah something he also Falcons played he also played for the Chargers back in the day yeah that might so have had he, something. you know he has a relationship with the Spanos family um he's been there he's you know San Diego he coached there for many years University of San Diego He's coached in California before, so in my eyes, it makes sense. We get the Harbowl this next season, Ravens versus Chargers. That's gonna be fun. I he just wants to beat his brother. I there's every like all the reasons like oh he's just fleeing the NCAA. Oh he wants the money. I genuinely think 
he is still pissed off about losing the Super Bowl to his little brother that he wants to go back and do it again. And so. now he's seen his brother maybe win another Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Or it honestly wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs win it either. Because talk about the division, though. Reed, Peyton, Harbaugh. Those are three legends of the sport. And then you got Antonio Pierce. Who, the Ra- everyone in that Raiders. They love him. love him. They love him. Which, I mean, that's half the battle, though. It the is players half the have battle. To be into it. We'll see. He doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, Unless you that, think I mean that's O'Connell's why he's gonna it's gonna be tough for Raiders, but like I the big thing I mean, I would rather have a team bought into the coach than you know have a guy like Sean Payton win the team's like the that's Broncos, fair. they're not bought into this like they're not bought into Sean Payton. Yeah, but I think he'll players. probably bring he'll, it, he'll get it. He'll bring his players in that are gonna buy into him. Yeah. And I I think Antonio Pierce is a great guy, great coach. They hired Tom Telesco, the Chargers former GM, the same GM that hired Brandon Staley and pretty much wasted a lot of guys' careers. They call him Coupon Tom because he doesn't like to spend money in free agency. He doesn't like to make deals at the trade deadline. Raiders love to pick up our scraps. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we got to throw it to break. When we come back, we'll probably talk a little bit more of the Big Ten implications of Harbaugh leaving Michigan. Didn't really touch on that, so we'll do that. It's going to be really short, last break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back for one more break with me and Joseph. I'm Ben Drose, one of the sports writers at the Daily Nebraskan, joined here by Joseph Meyer, the senior, the senior sports editor at the Daily Nebraskan. We have just one more segment, then we're out of here. Got to get out around, you know, before tomorrow. So we're only going to talk a little bit longer, but I want to talk a little bit more about Harbaugh leaving Michigan. You know, we talked about what it meant for the Chargers, him going there. I want to talk more about him leaving Michigan do you feel like this is really going to hurt Michigan's chances of, you know, really being one of the elite teams in the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I couldn't. I think he has completely changed the culture there. The Brady Hoke days were so dark for all of my family who was Michigan fans. Like, it was just a bad, bad time. It was very similar to the, you know, last decade for Nebraska. And Jim Harbaugh built, built you know, built a culture there similarly to what we're seeing Matt Rule do here so far. You know, it took a while to, for them to get to that national championship level, but they did. So I think they're absolutely losing it. Do I think everyone's going to jump the ship like we're kind of seeing at Alabama to an effect or, you know, at, at Washington where everyone's mm-hmm. jumping the ship? No, because I think it seems like they're going to promote Sheryl Moore, who is very capable. We've seen him in the big moments. The suspension oddly worked out for Michigan where Sheryl Moore has been the acting head coach yeah. against Penn State, Ohio State. Those pretty big games, mm-hmm. pretty big games. So obviously it's going to hurt, but they still, their windows still open. Now there's a lot of talent in the big 10. So I don't think that they're going to be winning the big 10, but still could possibly be a playoff team with this new 12 team format. What do you think? Um, I think it's going to hurt him more than people think. I mean, I think the writing was kind of on the wall that, you know, he was going to weave. I feel like with that, you know, Alabama situation, I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere that Saban, you know, mm-hmm. was leaving. So I feel like that's kind of why more players are jumping ship there. I feel like Prairie's kind of new when they won that national championship. I feel like you can kind of right. get a feel. Like, and they're losing a lot of players. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, again, with him, when Harbaugh was suspended, I know they know they have a guy in-house that, you know, can do a good enough job. Probably won't. I mean, he's not Harbaugh. No. So, I mean, they're definitely not going to be winning a national championship again next year, probably. But... I mean, they're still going to be one of the elite Big Ten teams, at least this upcoming year. 
I think it more hurt. I don't think it's going to hurt him in the short term. It's going to be more like, you know, three years from now when they're trying to recruit, you know, we're trying to recruit for three years from now. Yeah. Freshmen. And they're probably gonna have a harder time recruiting now that Harbaugh's gone. For sure. You want to play with Harbaugh. You want to sign up for his, you know, resume. Like we've talked about, he has an incredible resume and you want to be part of that. That's what so many of these guys did. That's what JJ McCarthy did. Like that's why JJ McCarthy came to Michigan is because of Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And as Jim Harbaugh says, J.J. McCarthy is the best quarterback in Michigan history. People can debate that. That's what Jim Harbaugh says. They won a national title. So McCarthy's gone. A lot of these guys are gone. Blake Corum's out. Mm-hmm. That recruiting class was something special. There's kind of like two recruiting classes because of the COVID year. But these graduating guys and the guys that are leaving for the draft, such a special unit. I think they all decided last offseason when they lost to TCU, like we're going to run it back and we're going to run it back hard. And Harbaugh was bought into that. And I think in the back of their heads, they probably knew, hey, Harbaugh wants to go win a Super Bowl. Let's get him a national championship on our last year here. We'll all go our separate ways, but everyone will remember this season for what it was. Yeah. And it was a special one. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously it worked running it back. They had the talent. It was clear from day one of the college football season this year that they had the talent. They, in my opinion, they were just far and above, far and above like the best team in college football, in my opinion, like. When I saw the four, the playoff format, even before they picked, you know, the four teams for the playoffs, it was kind of like it's going to be Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, they I just been, stomped I, the Huskers here in Lincoln. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could just ugly. tell. I mean, I mean, I know, I know it's Nebraska. Nebraska is not anywhere near national contender yet. But they were but competitive like, in every game. Pretty I know, much, except that one. I mean, I get that the Alabama game was close, but like, Michigan was as far and away the best team in the nation this year. So, I mean, Harbaugh got what he wanted, won the national championship. He's now going for something even bigger, Super Bowl. It's probably going to take him just as long to get that maybe probably. in the NFL, but we'll see. I'll take a playoff win. <laughs> you sound like Husker fans just wanting— I'll take a just playoff wanting win. Not even a bowl game win. They just want to make a bowl game. I'll take a playoff win. That's all I need. I know. That's what the Dolphins need, too. But with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Again, you're not going to see our faces until next week. Not doing the show on Friday. So schedule Monday through Thursday, 11 to 12. That's when you see us. So you're not going to see us again until Monday. But again, games on Saturday. Make sure you watch them. It'll be fun. There'll be 